Welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I am Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa out on Long Island. We've got another good show for everybody today. Uh, Gabriel Foley from The Last Word on Sports is going to be here to look at the St. Louis Blues. Uh, We'll go around the league. The injuries are continuing to mount. Um, The Devils are off to a hot start. Maybe a goalie controversy brewing there. Um, Maybe Bobrovsky over in Columbus will be an answer. Or or, uh, Kincaid is looking to take the number one spot. There's a lot of things going on. We're going to go around the league and check in on all of that. Uh, but first, let me bring in Chris. Good day to you, sir. Good day to you. Uh, I, I, there's a rumor going around that somebody has bragging rights uh, for this show. I, I, I don't know what that's about. But, uh, I don't know who that is. <laughs> it's not uh, Jonathan Quick. I don't, the, the, the Islanders never win in L.A., I got to tell you. So I was I was shocked. But anyway, be that as it may, let's, let's jump into the – the Golden Knights. So we have, in my opinion, we have great news to talk about, good news to talk about, and some bad news. So you, you want to start with the with the great news with Mr. Tuck? Yeah, let's do that. We have uh, a signing to announce. I'll just read the press release. The Vegas Golden Knights general manager George McPhee announced today, October 19th, that the team assigned forward Alex Tuck to a seven-year contract extension through the 2025 26 season worth an average annual value of 4.75 million uh 22 years old 37 points last year in 78 games 15 goals 22 assists uh played all 20 games in the stanley cup playoffs finished with 10.6 goals four assists and some of those goals i have to say uh will take your breath away if you go back and watch the highlight video from the golden knights playoffs uh especially in the shark series tuck was out of his mind um, two memorable goals. One, he just blew right over the blue line with and skated through the whole Sharks team. All four of them had a swipe at it, and then he just freaking roofed it far side on, on Martin Jones. Um, there's another one where he was coming down the slot as well, and uh, I forget who it was on the right wing, but they threw it down in front, and, and Tuck with one hand uh, somehow got the angle of his stick correct and, and popped it up just the, the instant the puck hit the ice, uh, he popped it up and over Martin Jones for another spectacular goal. So his future in, in Vegas is secured. Uh, as with Shea Theodore, they were able to get three years of his free agency under contract. Um, so sort of you know similar to Shea Theodore and, and kind of shows where George McPhee's philosophy about these young kids are going to be. If you're going to be part of the core, he wants to get you – um, into your free agency years as much as he can. So he was able to achieve that. Tuck at 22 years old, a former first-round draft pick of the Minnesota Wild, uh, stayed in college for two years, then then bounced up and down with Minnesota for a year before he came to the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, the future is certainly bright for him. He's projected to play on the second line once he gets healthy into, you know, this season he hasn't hit the, hit the – uh, hit the ice yet, but uh, that brings him into the list of Golden Knights that are signed through the 2021-22 season. Uh, that includes Marc-Andre Fleury, Max Pacioretty, Shea Theodore, Riley Smith, Jonathan Marcia show, Alex Tuck, Colin Miller, Braden McNabb, and we expect at some point we're going to 
hear that, uh, you know, at the end of the year, William Carlson is going to join that list as well. Just uh, wait and see on how that contract uh, turns out. But with those players, you're looking at, and let me bring this up. I have a, uh, here it is. Thanks to Brian Blessing, who is a host at Sportsbook Radio here in Las Vegas. Look at some of the numbers. Uh, when Carlson signs, uh, you're looking at a top line locked up for $16 million. The second line, if you project Tuck there, Stassi, Pacioretty, and Tuck, you're looking at $18 million. So not bad for your first two lines especially. And then when Schmidt extends, if he gets a, around $5 million per, your top four D are locked up at $17 million, and your goal is there for $7 million. So you can see where they're going. <coughs> they're looking at getting some cost certainty, and, and they've certainly achieved that. And I haven't thought too much about good signing, bad signing. I think it. I think it's good for Alex. Maybe he might regret the 4.75 once he gets to be 27, 28 years old, and he's a perennial 30-goal scorer in the league. He'll be underpaid at that point if he does mature into that type of player. But he does have his, you know, seven years of job security, as it were. So. Good for him, definitely good for the Knights to get him for that term, lock up his free agency years, the first three, and at a reasonable price. So probably the more I think about it, good good for both sides of the coin there, yeah, I, Alex I, I, and the Vegas Golden Knights. I think it's a win-win for both sides. I mean, obviously when you sign a long-term deal, there's always that risk, especially when you're a young guy like Tuck and – you don't have the biggest sample size, and if your game really takes the next step. But, you know, that's what, you know, when you sign these deals, you take the security, uh, you're, you're you're going to give that up uh, at the back end. But I think it's a win-win all around for everyone. The Knights have to be happy. Like he's got, he's, that money's locked and loaded now. It's his money. $33 million is a lot of money. Um, so I think it's a win-win for everyone all all the way around. So, Everyone should be feel good about that. Uh, I saw that this morning. Uh, you know, came as a bit of a surprise uh, for me. I didn't realize they were talking extension. Uh, right. I didn't realize he was one year one year away from uh, his entry level. This being his last year on the entry level contract. But um, so then let's get to the good news in terms of the Knights. Um, we were on air last week. They were playing the Flyers. We got off the air. They were somewhere in the third period at zero uh, zero. And Marc-Andre Fleury just willed that team to a victory. And we talked about how, even though it was early in the year, you know, 2-4 and four sounds a, a heck of a lot better than 1-5. and five. So uh, I think it was uh, um, Cody Eakin, right, who got the late goal in the third period, uh, I believe. And uh, Fleury just willed his team to win. Then they come home after that long road trip. They take care of business, take care of Buffalo. And now they're at three and four heading into tonight's game. And ironically, you know, they haven't played since Tuesday. Uh, just a strange yeah, schedule. Yeah, weird schedule. But, uh, weird schedule. Yeah. So, so they play, you know, so they're, you know, nice to build off that, that road win in Philly. They beat, take care of business. Look like the Knights uh, from last year being Buffalo 4-1. And now, uh, you know, a little mini test. You know, they play the Ducks tonight. Josh Gibson has been – Terrific. Lights out. Um, yep. Yeah, lights out. I mean, they've gotten enough scoring, uh, the Ducks, and they're playing, you know, pretty sound defense. They're they're pretty strong on on the back end, 
and Gibson's playing playing lights out. So should be a good contest tonight. And and then they don't play until Wednesday. So yeah, another three days. Go a little. Yeah, another three-day break, and, and Vancouver comes to town. So, who's off to a decent start. So, yeah, I think all is pretty good in night plan. like to see like, that mysterious week-to-week. I think we'll see him sooner rather than later, but when that is, I'm I'm not sure. Because it's, it's just, you know, well, I think it's – is it a – it's a lower body. Is it a lower body or upper body? I don't know. It's, it's some it, kind of injury. Uh, it's a – it's a foot. He got hit in, the, in oh, okay. the, the heel with a shot in the last preseason game, and he has yet he didn't he didn't come back in that game, and we haven't seen him since. So he he was blocking a shot, and he caught it on the heel. Is what it looked like on on the TV. So um, probably a deep bone bruise, you would think. Maybe a little a little contusion going on. Um, but right. He, he he has been on the ice the last couple days uh, skating after practice. And so sometime on this homestand is when we expect to see him. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's good. So, so definitely within two weeks, we should, he should definitely sure. be back. See, okay. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's fine. And then I guess my we get guess, the bad my news. My guess is either Vancouver or yeah. Tampa Bay. Okay. And then we get to the bad news. And that is, you know, last week we were talking about how Bob McKenzie had reported leading into that game uh, last week's uh, the end of the road trip that Stasny could miss as, miss as much as uh, up to a month. Well, now they're talking about two months, that he's yeah. going to be out the next two months with that uh, lower body knee. I mean, it, injuries are going to happen. It just it just stinks, especially with already being without Tuck as is. But, you know, hopefully it'll be a little less than two months and more of the six-week variety and get him back in. But, you know, that's, that's a – we talked about it last week. I mean, you know, the end of that road trip, they didn't have Stassi, they didn't have Tuck. The play went out Schmidt, one of their top four defensemen. So, um, you know, they got to just grind through it, take get some home cooking going uh, with this home stance. But, um, you know, that, that, was, uh, that was – It's not terrible, and I'm probably going to get a bunch of, bunch of static for this, but Holla didn't look good on the wing in the first few games. And there didn't seem to be a chemistry right away between putting Hall on the wing. And Gallant has said he didn't want to, uh, quote, demote, unquote, Hall down to a third-line role after last season. 29 goals playing the center position on the second line isn't anything to sneeze at. Um, so it, I, I'm trying to – Trying to choose my words carefully here. I like Eric Halla as the second line center on this team. I think at this point in his career and with the type of offense that Gallant employs with the Vegas Golden Knights that and in even so, Hall is more of a prototypical second line center. He's quick, he's fast, he gets it to the neutral zone, he has good puck control, and he's creative, he can finish, and he can make the, the players around him better. I don't think it's any coincidence that Perron had a career high in points playing with Hall as his center. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that James Neal had somewhat of a, of a, I don't know, rejuvenation is the right word, but had a good season playing with Eric Hall as his center. Right. Um, and I think at this point in his career that Stastny is more of a prototypical third-line center. 
Um, regardless, of, you got to take salary out of it. I'm sure you didn't pay someone six and a half million dollars to play second line center. I get that. Uh, hold your calls and emails and tweets. But if you look at his game, he's not the fastest guy. He is a face-off wizard, and he's the type of guy that you could put on a penalty kill and be very comfortable. He's the type of guy that could be somewhere on a second power play unit and be very comfortable. He's the type of guy that you put off on a defensive zone face-off late in the game where you know you need to have it. And those are attributes that are more more, uh, what you find in a third-line center. So with with some of the new players and with Schmidt being out and the defense being uh, tinkered with and trying to get, get comfortable pairings that aren't giving up some of the mistakes we saw earlier uh, on the road trip, um, you know, you're not going to scratch Daphne in two months certainly is, 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 is a, is a tough, a tough pill to swallow. But I, I think as far as getting roles, it with the new guys um, and and helping keep the the four line train moving that Gallant loves to play when as, as you know we saw against uh, Buffalo the fourth line played their best game of the year and I don't think it's any coincidence that the first line had their best game of the year because the fourth line drives that play down into the offensive zone and does not let the puck come out and that just hems in the other team's top forwards. Um, when they're on home ice and they can match up fourth line to first line. And, and when the first line comes out, um, possession and, and position have already been established. Um, so you have your first line, you have your fourth line. Cody Eakin has been a, a, a bright spot at that third line center position, regardless of who's been playing on his wings. And Tomas Hika moved up to play right wing with um, – Eric Hall on the second line. So I, I think having Stastny not in the lineup right now isn't a terrible thing. Um, I think it lets some roles get established. I think it lets some continuity get created. And you look at it, you know, he only played a handful of games. So when he comes in, he's going to be a boost to the lineup where, where Gallant decides he's going to fit in more so as, as just, trying to get the chemistry early in the season. And maybe there's that pressure of we're off to a bad start. Uh, you know, I'm new. I'm uh, you're trying to do a little too much maybe um, and, and be able to absorb some stuff that, that Gallant wants to have happen on either the second or third line when he comes back at, at a comfortable pace while he rehabs. So obviously it's, it's a blow, but I, I don't think it's going to hurt as much as a lot of people think. Something to watch because obviously, you know, I, it seems like the best fit is obviously for both of them to be playing at the center position. Um, so it's something to watch when when Stastny comes back. So there's some time there, and Holler just has to go play his game. And and if he does it really well, then it's going to be an easy, I think, an easy decision. You're not going to tinker with him being on the second line. Um, Right. So why don't we jump around jump around the league here? We've got a few things wanna hit. Let's start in my neck of the woods over in New Jersey. Off to a real good start. I think that uh last I saw was one one after one, I believe, or close to the end of the first period. That's what I uh, see, yep. Yeah, so they you know, started the season, won the first four who uh blew a game against Kyle. <laughs> yeah, really. But I think he had seven goals or uh uh 
but you know, an interesting story is being is developing over there. Now it is early, but Keith Kincaid, who seems to have just improved every season, he's gone from a guy who can be a reliable backup to one of the better backups in the league, and then last year he took a big step of, hey, you know, maybe this guy's the number one. I mean, you forget the the jersey really uh, during their uh, key stretch in the second half of the season to qualify the, for the playoffs, it was really, they were riding the wave of Keith Kincaid, not Corey Schneider, and, and Kincaid was the starting goalie against the Lightning in the playoffs. Now, after a couple of games when the team didn't have their best games, they went to Corey Schneider, and he played well. But, uh, you know, obviously Schneider's uh, on on injured reserve. I think it's a hit. Uh, I believe it's a hip, uh, but he will be back sooner rather than later again, one of those kind of situations in the near future. But, I mean, right now, this is looking, it's hard to argue that Keith Kincaid's not the number one. And then here's the other part of that mix is, uh, you know, Schneider is signed for three more years after the season at $6 million, whereas Kincaid's on the last year of his deal and becomes an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. So, you know, you're not going to pay two guys number one money, first of all, first off. And uh, so what's going to – how is that going to play out? Uh, something to watch. I mean, there's – I could think of a few teams uh, that could be interested in Mr. Kincaid's services. Or maybe they wind up re-signing Kincaid, and if Schneider's healthy, you know, finding a trade for with Corey Schneider and helping their team in another way. Um so yeah, I think it's just it's just storyline to really watch, especially over the next month or two. Yeah, for sure it is. I don't know where I there you know, two schools of thought, you don't lose your job to injury A, B you ride the hot goalie, so it'll be interesting to see when he does come back. Um if if they go to him right away, if they give him a couple games as the backup and then put him in. And and see how they go fifty fifty. You know what I mean? Yeah, are they going to go and B? Yeah, it'll be it'll right. definitely be be. Uh, uh, you want to ride the hot goalie, in my opinion. It would be my philosophy, and and I'm bloody, so it doesn't really matter. But um, it, it, it's like it's like Ryan Fitzpatrick in Tampa Bay earlier this year. The guy gets off to a great start, and then the the quarterback's healthy. You know, James Winston oh. comes back to the roster. Yeah, I'm using a football analogy. And then, so Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, he started the, that next game, and Winston was on the bench because you're riding the hot hand. And then he right. threw like four four picks in the first half, and then you go back to James Winston. So is I don't see Kincaid laying an egg like that. So I'm, yeah, I'm a ride the hot leg. goalie guy. I don't know where he you are. He has some legs I'm a ride because, goalie. like I said. He he played. He was a big reason they made the playoffs last year, and just sneaking in ahead of you know Florida in that game of musical chairs between Philly and Florida and Columbus down the stretch. And yeah. he, I don't know how the numbers and oh, I should have, but he played in quite a bit of action last year. So the fact that he's kind of picked off, gotten the opportunity to start as the number one with the Schneider, uh, Corey Schneider's injury, and um, yeah, I mean King Cade last year. You know, he played in 41 games. Schneider played in 40. And Kincaid was the better goalie last year. You know, 9-1-3 uh, save percentage. Goals against a bit high, 2-7-7. But, I mean, um, the team, listen to this, team last year under Kincaid was 26-10-3. and 
And under Schneider, hmm. they were seventeen six and six. So uh, again, both pretty good. Kincaid, you take yeah. you take either one, right? Yeah, well, Kincaid, uh, if he keeps this up, they're gonna they're gonna have a, a situation Decisions. on their hands. And it, and if Schneider's healthy, obviously, um, right. So it'll be something to something to follow. But hey, I want to get get some. Oh, originally, when I wrote this down, it was supposed to be some good news about Ottawa, and then of course something bad happened. But oh, yeah, it, it's kind of got kind of got under the radar. But what about the start that Thomas Shabbat, who's been a top prospect in hockey for the last couple of years, played played a bit with Ottawa last year, just off to a tremendous start. Now, you know, Carlson's gone. And Ottawa's actually looked very representative so far. Uh, Shabbat's got eight points already. And then Brady Tuchuk looking like, you know, he's been in the league a couple of years. He's off to a nice start as well. Uh, he has three goals, six points. And then, of course, I think he took a shot, uh, I believe, off, off, uh, some, off the knee or something along that. And he, oh, he got it. Uh, and now he's out for a month. And I'm, yeah. I'm thinking to myself, what do the hockey gods have against Ottawa? I mean, leave the poor team alone. <laughs> yeah, really, right? Um, you know, uh, with with Shabbat, he's he's got his eight points, and Eric Carlson only has four points, so he's doubling up the production on a, a obviously less offensively uh, oriented team yeah. in Ottawa and than San Jose is. And Carlson missed missed the game uh, illness, so. Ugh. Uh, de- definitely kudos to the young guy. He's got his opportunity now, and and he's making them forget about Eric. Oh wait, never mind. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, not yet. No, but it's good. It's yeah, good to it's see. Not that. But, like it, but it's definitely a good start. Definitely a good start for him. And Brady Kachuk came in, like you said, scored three goals and and had three assists uh, early on as as obviously their their first pick in the draft. Uh, you know, this last season and looked like he was fitting right in and then now yeah torn ligament in his knee and he's gone for a month so um i don't know uh could have been been worse but yeah it was just like really i I mean you you gotta be kudos to senators nation there um i know it's tough to stick around with with the ownership and and everything that's going on with that team but uh kudos to you guys uh, senators strong, you guys be 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 strong. Um, your future, you got a lot of pieces still coming in the the Duchesne deal, and and Shabbat looks good, Kachuk looks good, and there's still more pieces coming. So uh, hang tight, hang tight. Yeah, and then I guess Pittsburgh. The good news for them, they got Matt Murray back off concussion protocol, and he posted shutout in Toronto. But now they lost Justin Schultz with. Uh, with a leg injury uh, for four months. So, you know, you, he comes back, although he'll be, he'll come back right around the end of February. So he'll have the last six weeks to get fine tuned for the, uh, for the playoffs for them. So, I mean, I guess uh, if you're going to get that kind of injury, now's the time to do it. But again, uh, you know, it's just another, in, you know, every day that goes by, it's just another injury. And, and these are significant injuries, obviously. We're not talking about, Oh, yeah. this guy's going to be out a week or two. I mean, we're talking about this one's out one month. This guy's out two. You know, uh, Chuck's out a month. It, uh, uh, is out two months. Schultz is out four months. You know, so um, yeah, they just seem to be piling up, as you said. And then finally, 
jump into Columbus. Now, Borowski won the other night. Um, he's played a little bit more, but maybe it's, uh, I don't know, the conspiracy theorist in me. Uh, it just seems like it's not a 50-50 split, but I'm seeing Corpusalo play. I know it's early in the year, but it seems like he's played a little bit more than normal, and he's played against a couple of pretty good teams as well. And I'm wondering if Columbus is trying to see if he can be the number one or well, you have to. Take, over as the, take over as the number one goalie uh, soon. And, you know, cause the, and their plans are to move Brabovsky, let's say, sometime in, I don't want to say like tomorrow or next week, but, you know, sometime uh, in the near future an opportunity presents itself. I I just get the feeling that, you know, obviously Bobrovsky is a free, big free agent at the end of the year. He, he He's won, I know he's won at least one best. Now I think it, may, it might even be two. He's been terrific in the regular season. Inconsistent, let's all be kind, in the uh, playoffs. But and he basically said to them, yeah, I'll sign a contract now. Just give me Carey Price's contract of eight years, $84 million. We got a done deal, and uh, uh, Columbus was like, uh, "What? Excuse you?" Uh, <laughs> so it'll be, it'll be interesting to follow that if Corpusalo continues to get regular playing time. And you know, again, it's a small sample size, but it seems like he's taken a step uh, compared to the last year or two. Yeah, well, you got to kick the tires on it, right? You got to see if he is what you think he is, and. I, I, right. I, you know, there is a little conspiracy theorist in you, Chris, and uh, yes, I, I, I have, I have a little bit in me as well. Um, okay. I, I, I don't get the feeling that it's urgent for Pabrowski to stay in Columbus from either side. I, I, you know, we we've talked about Panarin and and how that situation is going to go. Um, I, I think that Columbus, if they can if they can do more than just tread water with Corp Solo in the net and the return on Bobrovsky, uh, he is the only goalie in the national hockey league with two Vezina trophies, I believe um, right okay. now. So uh, I, I, if, if, you know, if the money's, if they can't get together on the money, um, there's teams out there like uh, the Islanders or St. Louis or Philadelphia that otherwise right. have now Islanders excluded, but I mean they're off to a great start. But there's teams out there that you know have a playoff caliber roster that are unsettled in goal. I like to say unsettled in goal, um, where Bobrovsky um, could be that piece that gets those those kind of of clubs into the playoffs and capable of making a playoff run. And if you end up having to trade Panarin and you're, you're not planning on a deep playoff run from the group that you have in Columbus and you you don't want to commit that much money to the guy, then you ha- you have to watch Corpusalo play uh, quite a bit before you make that move. Um, maybe you, in whatever deal they make, you get a backup goalie back. Um, Elliot for Bobrovsky. Yeah, you know it's, fu- it's funny. Kind of a you thing. Bring up plus the, pick. You bring up Columbus with like I get the sense that Columbus really, 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 really wants to keep Panarin, and they're willing to back up the truck 
you know, do it, but I just don't think Panarin I don't think he wants yeah, to go I to don't. a different market. But on the yep. converse of that, not that they would be against of re signing Bobrovsky, but I don't find the urgency I, there. You know, yeah, I, I, I what they think is the right deal. And if it's well beyond that, then it's like, all right, we're going to be moving on. Like, I don't think yeah. they're – yeah, so I I don't – I don't – yeah, it's always tricky trading a goalie. There's only so many teams that need a goalie, and plus he's a goalie who's uh, going to be a free agent at the end of the year. So it has to be the right fit. And, you know, when Gabriel gets on the line, I think the Blues are uh, – you mentioned the Islanders real quick. There's been some rumblings going on that they are seriously investigating of getting Sorkin out of Russia uh, after the season and coming over We've here. We've been waiting we'll for that, see. yeah. We've we been were waiting, waiting for that. <laughs> we, have, we have been waiting, so we'll have to see. But there's been some rumblings uh, about, yeah, it's going to be an interesting to fo- thing to follow. You know, Philly, they love Carter Hart. He's one of the top prospects in all of hockey. We talked about him. So uh, St. Louis is really, uh, I think, when I think of who would be the right fit, uh, and we'll get into a Gabriel will be on the line in a minute or two, uh, that that's the team that jumps out of me by by far yep. for Pabrowski. Yep. I can see the fit in Philly because what you're looking at with Philly is, you know, like you said, um, their goalie prospect is, is knocking on the door. But if, if they think that they have a, a, a team in the playoffs this year and they, they bring – Bobrovsky in for a rental price and let him go at the end of the year then um, and and see what he does for him in the playoffs. Um, I could see that kind of a deal being made too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, again, it comes down to price. Like you said, it's, I mean, what is the price going to be? Because, again, even though he's a big name, he is a free agent at the end of the year, and that, that's going to seriously hinder what the Jackets can get back uh, unless someone's willing to sign him to an extension now kind of thing, but uh, right. we'll have to see. But, yeah, St. Louis might be a good landing spot for that. And with our featured guest, Gabriel Foley, today from The Last Word on Sports, he covers the St. Louis Blues for them. You can follow him on Twitter at NHL Foley, F-O-L-E-Y. He joins us now on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Gabriel, thanks for taking some time today to come in and talk some St. Louis Blues hockey. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. I've been a long-time listener of the show and love what you guys do. Oh, thank you so much. We appreciate that. Um, first off, let's jump right into it tonight. Uh, we're, I, I'm looking around Twitter today, and they've they've moved Jaden Schwartz back up to the top line with Braden Schwinn. Schwinn. Shin. I don't know why I can't say that. Um, and, and also Jay Bogmeister uh, taking the healthy scratch into Toronto tonight. Is this a case that we're still – searching for chemistry uh, on the lines in the defense with all of the offseason moves, and is that a concern going forward for this Blues team? Yeah, I think it's been a concern since training camp. Um, The Blues have really not done a good job of keeping their lines the same. They move a lot of players around and don't really let players uh, make that chemistry. Um, so I think putting Jay Bosmeister as a healthy scratch tonight is just another attempt to find what works in the lineup. Um, but moving Jaden Schwartz back up to Braden Shen's line is, you know, a step in the right direction. Schwartz and Shen are probably one of the most dynamic duos in the league, if I do say so myself. Um, sure. They performed very well together last season. 
So I think both moves, like you said, are just an attempt for the team to find chemistry in a lineup that features a lot of new guys. Yeah, for sure. That was one of the concerns that I had when we were doing our uh, Central Division preview with St. Louis. And we saw a couple years ago when Dallas made it to the Western Conference Finals. And then during the offseason, they, they changed quite a few pieces and haven't been back to the playoffs yet. And I'm, I'm kind of uh, not the big analytics guy. Anyone who listens to the show knows that um, uh, Corsi this and, and blah, blah, that. I, I just I, – I, I'm old school, I guess. I, I, I'm more of an eye test guy and a chemistry guy and, and how are the people in the room relate to the people in the room. Um, and I all, and Florida, the, Florida too, if, uh, when Gallant was still the coach, they, they made it to the playoffs. He's the coach of the year finalist. He brought them the, the best point total they have had in 20 years. And then management goes out and changes four of his defensemen in the off season. And then they're surprised when they're 11 and 12 to start the season and put them in a taxi cab in Nashville. Um, the, you know, good for the Vegas golden Knights, but uh, so cha- change too much change in, in a locker room. It does take a while to build that, that kind of chemistry with the, with the boys, so to speak. And mm-hmm. so, so far the blues off, off, off to a tough start. Um, how much of it, is just what we've been talking about and how much of it can we look in the goaltending and and say that definitely needs to be better? Um, You know, I almost attribute the entire thing to a lack of chemistry. Uh, Like I said, the Blues just haven't done a good job of establishing uh, establishing a solid lineup game to game. They really change up almost every single line, uh, every single game. Um, and I think that's the biggest issue because if you watch their play, um, the goalies are being left out to dry by the defense and the lack of back checking from the forwards and stuff. Um, so yep. while I do agree that the, you know, the goalies have been rough, uh, Jake Allen is not performing. Um, I, I think a lot of the issues come from the lack of chemistry and the lack of cohesion in, you know, the style of play. Hey, Gabriel, it's Chris here. Good to talk to you. So when I look at the Blues from afar, and let's, again, granted, uh, I think it is an important point. They've had a lot of change, especially with the forward units. But these are good players. So let's say we get a couple months into the season, and things start to click more. There's more uh, consistency and stability with the lines. So when I look at the Blues and I see their top three lines of at forward, and I see their top two lines of defense, I say to myself, you know, on paper, this is a team that should be right there with any team in the West. Now, the goaltending aside, put that aside for a second, do you agree with that statement or – Am I am I being over uh, my uh, overrating the Blues? Uh, I totally agree with you. Going into this season, me and a lot of my colleagues really had high hopes for this team. Um, I did not expect the chemistry issues and the issues we've been seeing so far. I thought we would come out, you know. So so far, I completely agree with you. This team should be performing. Um, right up there with the teams like Winnipeg and Nashville, and we haven't been. 
So then I look at it and I see Jake Allen, and from again, from afar, it seems like he goes in these stretches. Like he's the little girl with the curl. He's either really, really good <laughs> and or he's really not good. And he goes into these stretches. And can the Blues be, I mean, unless the light bulb completely goes on and stays on uh, in the near future, can the Blues really be a, considered a, a cup contender if Jake Allen's their number one? Um, you know, I did an article about this recently that uh, listeners can find on my Twitter where I looked at Jake Allen's inconsistency throughout his career, and these patterns of poor play have existed since his AHL years. Um, And, yeah, in that article, I talk about, you know, the Blues really can't be a playoff team, a Stanley Cup-winning team, if they're going to rely on a goalie that has these patterns where he just – cannot play um it's almost like he can't play at an nhl level during these stretches so if they really want to be a uh, stanley cup winning team i do agree that a move has to be made or jake allen really has to find himself so before i hand it back over to mark we were just talking before you came on about keeping an eye on what's going on in columbus with Copasalo and Bobrovsky being heading to free agency at the end of the unrestricted free agency at the end of the year. It doesn't seem like the jackets are on the same page of the kind of deal that he wants out. To me, this seems like a really good fit for the two teams. And they, the blues have a young kid because they, all these moves they've made in uh, this off season. And because of uh, the core of the team that they had, or already had, uh, you know, uh, before adding the likes of Ryan O'Reilly and Tyler Bozak, they got this kid, Robert Thomas, buried on the fourth line. And he could be, you know, he could be the centerpiece of a deal. Uh, and that would be a great pickup for Columbus, uh, where Bobrovsky and Thomas and, let's say, other futures, a first-round pick, another good young player, got you know, whatever you want to fill in, but Thomas being kind of the linchpin, do you th- do you think that a do you think St. Louis would be willing uh, to to give up Thomas to get a Bobrovsky, and and two do you think that makes sense? Um, I do think St. Louis would be up for dealing away one of their top prospects like Thomas or Cairo uh, to get a goalie like Bobrovsky if it came down to it, uh, but to me the deal doesn't really make sense for a few reasons. Um, The first one is the salary cap. Uh, The blues are right against the cap. Um, At the beginning of the year, they had to make a few questionable roster moves to comply with the cap. Um, And I think we would really have to trade away one of our kingpins in the lineup. If we really wanted to bring in Bobrovsky um, just to comply with the cap. Um, but also the deal kind of raises a few question marks for me when you look at the Blues' depth at goalie. Um, they have players like Evan Fitzpatrick and Ville Husso, who are both star goalies um, in the minor leagues and could be uh, elite goalies in just a couple years. So when you bring in a star goalie like that, you really have to question um, – you know, is the goalie going to be a rental 
or are you going to keep them long term? And if you're keeping them long term, what's your plan with your young goalies? But there are now a team with the same token, right? So that's the that's the other part of the rub. They are now a team with very theoretically, and they should not theoretically with high expectations. So uh, they're kind of twixt them between in a will, if you will. And mm-hmm. uh, obviously, you're, you're, you know, any team. I don't, I don't care how deep your system is, but I, I don't think any team is you know thrilled about trading a bunch of young assets for a rental unless you wind up with the cup at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, uh, yeah, I, I, I would think that would be one team that would be willing to take that plunge. And, uh, but again, uh, uh, it kind of makes sense, but, uh, let me hand you Mark. What, what else you got for Gabriel? Well, I wanted to know, and you, and I, and I, you mentioned earlier that the, uh, the line consistency has not been there for the St. Louis Blues early in the season. And, the you know, they're searching for it and they're grabbing for it and they're moving players around the lineup. It, can we can we critique Coach O on that and think that maybe not enough was done in the preseason and early on to identify um, the groups of players that would have a set chemistry? And and are we seeing the results of that now? Is this a coaching staff critique, or or a management critique for for bringing in pieces that may not fit with the group? That's one thing George McPhee has done very well here in Las Vegas is is making sure that the room is a fit and the players are a fit for the system. And when he makes a move, um, he, he's confident that a, a guy like Pacioretty is going to be able to come in with and and fit with the core of the group is is this really a management thing for just wanting to bring in O'Reilly and 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 at all to to make those kind of moves um for the sake of making moves or or is some of it in the coaching box as well um I could see how it could be a management issue um I will say you know Ryan O'Reilly's game should really complement Vladimir Tarasenko's game um and I can totally see how they would think that when they brought him in. Um, same with David Perron complimenting Jaden Schwartz. Um, but I think the biggest issue comes with the surprises that the Blues had in training camp. Um, Sammy Blay, Jordan Cairo, and Robert Thomas all had great performances in training camp, and the Blues had almost no choice but to put them on the opening night roster. And I think that move, putting them on the opening night roster, has given Mike Yo just so much to work with um, that now he, you know, has these three new players he has to fit into the lineup um, right. on top of finding chemistry with the three new guys and stuff. So I think while it could also be a a coaching issue, you know, trying to find the lines. I think Mike Yo just has so much to work with that after six games, it's kind of hard to figure it all out just yet. Right. And like, like, like Chris said, when you have uh, a player like Robert Thomas doing fourth line minutes, that's, uh, that's in, in a way it's a good problem to have, but, but in another way, it, I'm sure it could get frustrating 
um, not only to the player, but to the coach who's trying to find ice time for a player like that. And uh, Chris wants to jump back in with, with one more final question for you before we let you go. Yeah, Gabriel, you know, like I said, to me, you know, you look at these moves. I mean, the Blues are opinion, kind of all in now, right? I mean, they make the big trade for O'Reilly. He's signed for the next few years at, at big money. Um, you know, Maroon, Bozak, Perron, they're all now players. And, you know, we talked about Coach Joe. How, I mean, how committed do you think management and ownership uh, are to him? And, you know, most years a lot of fan bases say, oh, let's get a new coach. And, like, you know, then the first question should be, well, who are you going to hire? You know, usually there's <laughs> not someone you can point to on the sidelines and say, wow, you know, you, we can bring in him. But this year there is. And I can tell you from watching him, uh, coached the dreaded New York Rangers the last few years, but uh, but even you know some of his other stops, Elaine Fignot is a top coach. So I mean you've got a guy like that out there. I know it's only six games, but you know if they continue to sputter, is is that a possibility? I mean how much are they married to uh, uh, Mike Yo? I think there has been a lot of questions with Mike Yo. Um, you know, last season was a very up and down season uh, that saw, you know, a lot of fans calling for his resignation back then. And the start to this season definitely hasn't improved that at all. Um, but I think, you know, many looking at the coaching staff, um, they brought in guys like Joey Vitale and uh, Steve Ott uh, to kind of help with all that. Um, I think they really just want to try and find chemistry in the lineup and bring in guys, star guys that they know will get them to the next level before they start pointing fingers at the coach. So as much as fans now after these six games have been critiquing Coach Yo, um, I think management and the coaching staff all recognize that the problem is just in the lineup. Um, it's not, Mike Yo's fault or, you know, any one person's fault. Well, all right. That's going to wrap it up for this segment of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. This has been Gabriel Foley for Last Word on Sports. You guys follow him on Twitter at NHL Foley for all of his St. Louis Blues content. Uh, Certainly did a great job with us today. We appreciate you taking the time to talk some St. Louis Blues with us today, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Gabriel. And, and, Good luck to you the rest of the way, sir. We'll talk to you down the road. See ya. All right, so we're unsettled in uh, in St. Louis to start the season. As that word again, unsettled. But uh, yeah, yeah, um, I tell you, you got a Vigneault out there. I mean, parts. I don't know. He might just work. Yeah, I mean, he might. Parts. You know, I, yeah, he. Um, and he. This is the kind of team that I think he would really do well coaching. You know, you know um, who else comes? But, um, Lindy Ruff. Well, who's that? Lindy Ruff. Yeah, I think this is the kind yeah. of team that Lindy Ruff could do a great job with. He would come in and, you know, one thing players have said about Lindy Ruff is you know where you stand and you know what your role is if you're on a Lindy Ruff team. And that's maybe that's, that's what this team needs is you're playing with him and that's who your line mates are. And, Right. You know, if you give it a 10-game sample size before you have to make a change and not be bouncing right. back and 
forth, you know, between lines from game to game and practice to practice to see if this fits, that fits, or power play, penalty kill, what have you. Lindy Ruff will look at that roster and, and go through a couple practices, and those are going to be his lines. Um, so that, that kind of know your role might be good for this team right now. And you don't want to far, you know, you only get off to too bad of a start. So, you know, and obviously expectations are high. So uh, in St. Louis, and they made a lot of big moves. So yeah, yep. it's definitely something. Too many, I think. Uh, made a lot. We talked about. Yeah, we talked about it. <laughs> I mean, the whole third line. Oh, they have a whole new third. The whole third line is uh, free agents: Maroon, Perron, and um, and Bozak. Oh right. Yeah, and then O'Reilly you coming into center. In her second line, and right, well, and I can't, right, I can't blame him for that. But I mean, a, you you would have thought that they would have just left just one of those chain. spots open on the third line for Thomas. I mean, the really talented youngster that their top prospect. But yeah, there's a lot of questions. You know, uh, obviously, a few wins, stacking some wins would go a long way. Yeah, yeah. What, one one four game winning streak is going to change the tone. It's early in the season. Um, so that, I mean, this was what we talked about in the, in the central division preview was that I, I questioned whether this team was going to be able to get off to a, to a start with so many different pieces. And it's not just putting in a whole new third line. It's where do they fit on the penalty kill? Where do they fit on the power play absorbing the systems of, of Mike Yo and the, and the special teams coaches and going out there and working as a five man unit when you weren't there and you weren't with those line mates and you weren't on that special teams group last year. And the other guys don't, aren't used to having you there instead of, you know, where you like the puck, are you a lefty or a righty? How can I, you know, sometimes those passes just go to the wrong side of the stick. Um, and, and that's a chemistry thing. And you, you, like I said before, Chris, you know, me, um, I'm, I'm a, I'm a team group guy. I love, I love, uh, when, when teams have a good room, it absolutely translates to play on the ice and you can take whatever course you have and stick it in the coffee can. <laughs> but <laughs> if if you like each other in the locker room, you're going to play for each other on the ice. And I think, I think maybe St. Louis is, is still struggling to, to build those relationships that translate to chemistry on the ice. So we're going to jump into our overtime segment now, and okay. I'm going to we go. lead, lead off <laughs> with this and I'll get your feedback. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the Leafs and William Nylander, but I want to focus in on one of their other youngsters, and that's Austin Matthews, who this is the last year of his entry-level contract. It's been a talk about his potential new deal as well and people saying, well, how much will he get? Will he get near what, you know, McDavid got? Will he get... You know, the one would think that over ten million, and and I and I'm here to tell you that if I was Austin Matthews' representatives, I wouldn't be telling Toronto, "Look, we need to get the McDavid contract, or we need to get slightly above the McDavid contract, which is eight year extension at twelve point five. You know, I want fifteen million. And as Hello. crazy as that as that sounds. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a few things to kind of back that up. Okay, let's go back a couple of years. Let's remember when McDavid got his extension. Still had a year to go on his entry level deal. This is actually the first year of that extension at 12.5. We, I think we all forget that the highest annual number was both Tays and Kane at 10.5. So not only did right. McDavid become the highest paid guy, he blew away what the highest number was already. So that 
in essence, is what I would be projecting here for McDavid, okay? The other thing is, Matthews' is, uh, first couple of years, 40 goals, 40 on the number of the first year, his rookie year. Last year went down to 34, but remember, he, got it, he had some a couple injuries and he wound up missing 20 games, scored 34 goals in 62 games. I don't think I'm out of line saying the guy's a 40-goal scorer. The guy already has 10 in the bank. I mean, to me, he's got an excellent chance of hitting, ringing the 50, 50 bell number here this year. And while no one's passed McDavid recently, but with all due respect to Tavares and Drew Doughty, who are in their late 20s versus their early 20s versus McDavid, who got 11, and Jack Eichel, who's you know looks like a, a, a foundation player to speak, to put it mildly, but has definitely not been on the level that McDavid has, getting 10. Um, and, and finally, you know, when you were you're a Austin Matthews player and you're looking at a potential long-term deal, part of that number has to be, well, wait a minute, you know, it's also projecting not just what I've done so far, it's projecting how how my play is to evolve and get better, and then also projecting how the salaries, where the salaries are going. Remember, the, the San Jose Sharks this past offseason was reported, it was reported that they were willing to make John Tavares the highest paid player in the league at $13 million. So someone's going to pass McDavid's number sooner than later. So if I was Austin Matthews and given all those given, oh, and by the way, when McDavid's last point, when he signed his, num- his deal, the cap was about 10% lower than it is now. So the cap has gone up uh, several million dollars just in the last two years and probably will get a little bit of a spike this year, and you know it will get a nice spike when Seattle joins the league. So $15 million, that's 15 That's my number if I'm, if I'm Mr. Matthews. Okay. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Toronto, and I'm going to say I'm going to give you uh, Art Ross. Hart Memorial and Ted Lindsay. So come on back, Mr. Matthews, once you've done at least one of those things. Um, with McDavid winning the Art Ross twice now, and uh, last I checked, uh, Matthews hasn't won the Hart or the Ted Lindsay. Ted Lindsay's given for the player, uh, he's voted the best in the league by the other NHL players. Um, so it, that's my point. Like, you, like you're speaking from Matthew's agent, and you're making some great points. Um, but I'm just going to sit on the hardware and the scoreboard and say Art Ross, Hart Memorial, and Ted Lindsay. You come back with some of that hardware, then uh, and you know what? He just might this year if he continues on at the right. pace he's at this year. He might be able to drop some of that hardware on the negotiation negotiating table. Boom. Okay. Now now we're talking. But uh, I mean, if I'm Toronto, that's uh, that's my comeback to you, sir. Is uh, and I, we know you, we know you want to be paid more than McDavid, but uh, the proof is in the pudding. What have you done? Uh, and, and this season is going to go a long way to decide that. But uh, how do you respond to that? I don't want to hear well, market he, value. I, I don't want to hear about salary cap. <laughs> if he, if he hits 
50 goals this year, which I think is also a pretty good start to doing. Uh, not bad. He's, not, I, he's on I my think fantasy. He is, uh, well, there you go. I, I him yeah. and his uh, and his agents and his camp. Uh, it's going to take an aggressive number to sign him, and it, it will be an interesting storyline to follow. Uh, I mean, he's been one of the top players in the NHL at a very, very young age, and a very you know. Let's be honest. Being Fresh the number, I mean, the fire. guy from a from a play from a performance standpoint, right? You take the number one overall pick. You put him on the Maple Leafs, so they're just dying to to for him to perform as a teenager, uh, like he has so far, is pretty remarkable. I mean, the normal no human question. being there would I mean there would be you know a certain amount of stress, a certain amount of pre- uh, pressing. There would I mean I said he's a he's a kid, and he no has question. just been in, in, incredible. I hear what you're saying, but I think it's gonna. I think it's going to be a. I I I will say this. I think it's gonna it's gonna to have to be a given that he gets McDavid's number. I think I think when you're when you're Matthews's people, like you could say uh, you brought up some good points about what McDavid's done. Say, well, you know that's the old number now though. Twelve point five, even though that's the highest number. The fact that Tavares and Dowdy, and they're terrific players by the way. I'm not trying to poo-poo them. They're terrific players, but based on that they got 11, my guy, it's got to be assumed at bare minimum, the low numbers, the McDavid number. That's the low. That, don't even talk to me unless we're, don't even give me an offer unless it's at McDavid's number. You know, uh, otherwise, you know, otherwise we'll go bridge deal, and in four years, at the age of, ripe old age of 25, my guy will hit the free agent market, and Lord knows what the offers would be. 27, sir, is free agency. Um, and no, it could but no, be, if you uh, seven years, right? It, it, uh, seven, yeah, he invested in seven years. You're right. You're right. Yeah, so uh, he would be, he came up at 18, so he would be, right, you have to be either 27 or, uh, and then there's certain machinations with years of service with that, or the seven years, uh, whatever whatever comes first. Uh, you're right. So that would put him at 25. Could you imagine, like, someone like him? What kind like of a him? bridge deal, though? What kind of a bridge deal are you talking Three years, $11 million per? That's ridiculous for well, a bridge. Well, if I was him, I would want a four-year deal. That's a golden gate right bridge. Free agency. Four years, eleven. I would per? say, I would say, if I was him, I would say, give me, give me, uh, I would be, if I was him, I would bet on myself. I'd say, give me $25 million for four years. Now I'm guaranteed $25 million in the bank. I'm guaranteed that's more than enough money for the rest of my life. And, I mean, I can't—I couldn't even imagine, as long as, you know, knock on wood, he stays healthy, and he, he you know, I mean, he can get better to, to boot. couldn't even imagine someone like him hitting the open market, what the, num- what the contracts would be, what the numbers would be. And it would be above 15, I can tell you that. I can't argue I with that. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine. I can't, especially in a few years' time. You're, by the time that happens, we're going to have gone through another lockout, I think. Oh, so the, God, I know. It's going to be, oh, uh, yeah, oy um, So we're going to have different uh, contract parameters. They, I mean, the owners could put in a clause 
where where no one player can make more than X amount of dollars, right? They could cap salaries of the individual player at between what thirteen and fifteen million dollars to you know, or, the or they are, could do it based on a percentage of the cap or yeah, yeah I yeah, mean theoretically sure. you could in negotiation you could do anything you could do you anything. So, yeah, I mean like for instance, uh yeah. last last point of my end, why is there a clause in the CBA uh that if I have if I own a team and I have a player and he's signed you know, he's in a long term deal that I cannot sign him to an extension until he has one year to go in free agency. I mean, I could argue that if that clause was not in there, that today, you know, odds are John Tavares would still be a New York Islander because, you know, you, you, you know, it's one thing to get within one year of free agency and say, you know what, I'm going to see how things play out. But when you're three years away from free agency and you're cut, getting offered an extension for, you know, seventy, eighty million dollars on top of the money that you have for the next three years. Uh, that's it's a, a very nice. hard thing to turn that turn right turn down. So I mean, the only reason that's there, ironically, the the owners put that in there to to try to stop from believe it or not, stop from players' salaries rising because they figure that as time goes on and they get to that point, they're not going to be worth as much, which is actually. The opposite has happened because they've played it out, and now they're at the most uh, the, 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 vulnerable. Uh, they have the most bargaining position because yeah. they're about to hit free agency. Yeah, so, you, they made themselves vulnerable uh, from the owner's perspective. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so. Yeah, they could do anything they want. I don't think the players would would, would sign up for that. I mean, well, as when, it is, we we. We hope that there's no lockout, but and the yeah. biggest I think the biggest issue is going to be hockey related revenue. I think the escrow I don't know what they can do about that, but that's going to be the biggest issue. If they start, if the owners kind of say, "Well, you know, we also like to tweak certain things like this, that, and the other, and how much you can make." Uh, that's we're really we're really going to go down. Uh, we're going to be all headed down the tubes for uh, that hockey season. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, I, I I think you brought up a good point about that. And last point um, before we got to go, um, when we when we talked about how Seattle and the expansion into that market is going to affect that collective bargaining uh, agreement, because I I think there'll be a lot of pressure on the owners not to lock out a brand new franchise. I don't think that endears you to the market, or you know, oh. for that matter. Vegas will have four years in, I think, before it's due. But um, if you want to disenfranchise your new markets, the best way to do it is to have a labor's office, especially with the fans in, in Vegas as rabid as they are for this team. And uh, assuming Seattle is going to be the same way, we've never seen anything, you know, in the last ten years from the Seattle fan base that would would say anything different than they're, that they're going to turn out and support their hockey team to the utmost as well. And you want to you want to sour that right away. Let's just cancel a season. And and uh, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on that anyway. Um, it, what what one thing? Uh, what did they say when when they were asked about uh, when they signed Tavares that they've got these three young superstars to get signed yeah, and they said it's going to be a piece of cake, not a problem. I think it's a problem. Yeah. If you're just calling for <laughs> Matthews to get 15 million Nylanders overseas, I last I checked he was right. in Europe, right? Um, I think it's a yeah, problem. Well, Kyle, Kyle Dubas <laughs> had to go over to 
it had to do a rapprochement with uh, the Nylander clan over in Switzerland. I don't know. Yeah. Um, good wishes going again. Yeah, I, I, I would say it's it's, uh, it's a little uh, problem. It's a little bit of a you know. Square peg, round hole, you know, elephant, elephant through a keyhole. I, I don't know. I don't know what terminology you want to use, but it is a little bit of a problem <laughs> so far. But uh, next week All right, we got Chris, the great Russ Towen. Yep. Next week we got the great Russ Towen coming on from uh, Sports uh, Mr. Sports at Sportsology, uh, talking Flyers, interested teams to talk about, and we're going to get one quick sneak preview, one quick question. Sneak preview on the draft, and for everyone out there who's a Red Wings fan, I know you you, you want more, yeah. but but we're just going to get one. But uh, lose for boy, Hughes. Oh boy, how bad, lose? How, is that how, is that what they're saying bad, now in Detroit? Lose oh for Hughes. God, how bad they? How bad do they look? Oh my lord! Well, when was better. the last time the Wings had this kind of potentially could have this kind of train wreck season? I don't even want to go back that far. Uh, yeah, uh, no, it's a long time. Yeah. So uh, after Cohen, we do have a couple other good shows in the works for you guys. Make sure you tune in every Saturday. Uh, same bad time, same bad channel here at 11 a.m. Pacific. And, and stay tuned. We have Chris Wassels coming up on the Devils, who are off to a fast start. Lyle Richardson's from Specters Hockey is coming in. Uh, he will be and talking about it. Yep, feels the cat on, on the Ducks. The which will be a great show to talk about how they're doing it, if it's smoke and mirrors or whether these young studs they got coming up uh, can actually stick. So we've got a lot of, lot of good shows coming up in the next month um, before we get to Thanksgiving. Uh, tune in every Saturday. Uh, also, if you want more on Russ Cohen before next week, go to the Sportsology page on SoundCloud. That's his page. We're also up there. Um, as always, you can find us on iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, SoundCloud, anywhere the podcast you'll find us. Uh, great show today, Chris. Appreciate it. Uh, so for Chris, I'm Mark. We're going to call it off for this week, and we'll talk to you next week. We're gone.